Old radio. Old radio. Old radio. Old radio. Old radio. Comedy podcast. Welcome to episode eleven of season four of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. The Bickersons was a radio comedy sketch series that started out on the Old Gold Show and the Chase and Sanborn Hour, and later as a 15-minute sketch in Dreamtime. The hosts of Dreamtime were Don Amici and Francis Langford, who sang and did various comedy sketches during the show, one of which was as John and Blanche Bickerson. Blanche played a horrible shrew of a wife, constantly nagging and picking on her poor husband, who couldn't even sleep at night due to Blanche's incessant complaining. A New York Herald Tribune review of the show describes it perfectly. Blanche is one of the monstrous shrews of all time. She makes her husband take two jobs, a total of 16 working hours, in order to bring in more money which she squanders on minks and the stock market. Meanwhile, he can't afford a new pair of shoes and goes around with his feet painted black. In the few hours he has to sleep, she heckles him all night with the accusation that he doesn't love her. Her aim appears to be to drive her husband crazy, and she succeeds very nicely. The rest, John's only weapon, is insult, at which he's pretty good. The Bickersons ran on television three times, first on Star Time from 1950 to 51, second as its own show in 1951 briefly, and then lastly as a summer replacement show for 13 episodes on CBS. Now sit back and enjoy the episodes Hospital Stay, Second Honeymoon, and The Pink Slip from The Bickersons. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, here are Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Dickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. After seven years of cycloid insomnia, or sluggard's disease, John Dickerson has finally consented to allow Dr. Hersey to relieve his condition. In room 113 at the General Hospital, Mrs. Dickerson watches anxiously as a surgical nurse ministers to poor John who is suffering an attack the night before the operation. Dr. Hersey's waiting for you in the car, Mrs. Dickerson. 
Oh, hello, Doctor. He's resting. I gave him a sedative that will quiet him down. He isn't very quiet. Oh. Well, actually, I could have done the operation in my office. It's so trivial. He won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatever. Will it hurt him? Not the slightest. All we do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. <laughs> I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Hersey, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? Oh, <laughs> well, I should say about $40. Would there be any discomfort if he didn't have an anesthetic? Not for me, there wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't advise the operation without it. And you're sure you'll be cured when you're through? Oh, practically, certainly. Well, it's almost midnight now. I'll do his case first, about seven. He just needs a good night's rest. Well, I'll stay a little longer. Good night. Call the floor nurse if you need anything. I will. I hope that pill's quieted him down. I'm sure that isn't doing him any good. Stop. Stop. Wake up. What's the matter, man? I put the cat out, I locked the windows, I left a note for the milkman, I hung up... John! Mm. We're in the hospital. No, for somebody's sick? <laughs> no, you're going to have an operation. Dr. Hershey's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Well, then what did you wake me up now for? <laughs> well, you were snoring, I was afraid, afraid you'd wear it off before he got a chance to operate. <laughs> uh... You've been snoring steadily for three hours. Don't you suppose, suppose I want to sleep, too? You're not sleeping here, are you? Yes, I am. It costs an extra $5 to put another cot in the room, and I intend to use it. Where's my nightgown? I can't get one night's sleep, even in the hospital. <laughs> I still don't understand why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do it. I'm beginning to think it was a waste of money. I could have used that $40. I'm still walking around in a short dress. What are you beeping about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around in a short uvula. <laughs> Crabby. I'm not crabby. I'm sleepy. Why don't you stop fiddling around that mirror and put out the light? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of the night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't know you had bald eyelids. <laughs> my eyelids are not bald. It's just that my lashes are short and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. <laughs> what kind of remark is that? Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Blanche, what on earth are you taking out of your hair? It's a rat. <laughs> a what? A roll of false hair. I have to wear it with a new hairstyle. My own hair is too thin with a pompadour. Darn it, I can't get out of this dress. Blanche, what are those things? Don't be so silly. Haven't you ever seen shoulder pads before? Well, I've never heard of such a thing. Your eyelashes are on the dresser, your hair is in the drawer, and your shoulders are on the chair. What about it? That's you all over, Blanche. A woman can think of more ways to spend money. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, dear, I'm ready for bed. Shall I crank yours up a little? No. Put out the lights. I wanted to glass the paper first. You go to sleep. I can't sleep with the lights on. I left my sleep shade at home. But I won't be a minute. Oh, nobody believes it. 
six hours. They're going to carve me to pieces. I'm supposed to rest here. I'm... I can't concentrate with you mumbling. Yeah, mumbling, mumbling, mumbling. Certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. <laughs> Listen to what Senator... I read the paper. Every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Hershey told me to keep you occupied so you wouldn't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. That's a good boy. You mustn't get nervous. No. See, the stock market's going up. That's fine. We have some stock, haven't we? Didn't you get some stock last year? Ten shares. Kentucky Salt Peter Mines. <laughs> Preferred stock. My brother got you in on the ground floor, didn't he? Where is it now? In the ground. <laughs> Can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. <laughs> Are you getting relaxed, dear? No, now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm worried about you, John. If anything happened to you on the operating table, it would all be my fault. So, you know what I think? We ought to sneak out, huh? No, I think you ought to make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercy of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead, Don't they'll... talk like that! Can't <laughs> you say pass on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother. <laughs> you be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute. Well, they don't give you a two-week notice, you know. <laughs> Every man should make out a will. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. Get up and do it now. What? Go on, get up and make out a will. Why, you're out of your mind. In the first place, the will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in the second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. <laughs> Nobody is going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You're the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. Now, there's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will and nobody can touch anything except you. Okay, so now you got all my worldly goods. First thing you know, you'll get over your grief and marry a guy without a dollar to his name, like that broken down snore specialist, Dr. Hersey. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice and take you for every penny. My hard earned money. He'll drive around in my brand new car, drink my bourbon, loaf around like a prince, never do a day's work. John! Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? <laughs> like that. Hush up and go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep, she tells me. I'm a nervous wreck. Practically talks me into a funeral. Marries the doctor behind my back. Now she tells me to go to sleep. Huh? I'll never sleep huh? another wink. Oh. John, the telephone. Mm -hmm. The telephone, answer. No. Who the dickens is calling? Oh, oh, oh. Who moved the phone, Blanche? What'd you get up for? It's right on the night table by your bed. Oh, I thought I was home. Hello. This is Weems. Huh? This is the maternity nurse. You can get ready now. I'm bringing your baby in. Say what it What? Blanche, how long have I been here? Isn't this 413? I don't know what it is, but I'm not feeding any babies. Way to run a hospital. It's just a mistake, John. Oh, I shouldn't have fallen for this operation deal. I could be so comfortable at home in my own bed. One of us should have stayed there. What for? How do you know a prowler won't break in? I left a whole bottle of bourbon on the dresser. Nobody will break in. The 
turkey would gobble and scare him away. The turkey would gobble. I can just see. Turkey? What turkey? Well, I was going to surprise you. I want a turkey and a raffle, John. You got a live turkey running around the house? He isn't running around. I got him tied on your bed. <laughs> on my bed? What did you do that for? To have the whole thing full of feathers? What are we going to do with a live turkey? Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, John, and I thought you'd murder him for dinner. I'm not going to murder any turkeys. But if he lays the beak on my bourbon, I'll chop his head off. Thanks, you're the most impossible woman that ever lived. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I guess everything I do is wrong. I'll go home and put the turkey out. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Never mind. I, I didn't mean to holler. Let's go to sleep so I can feel good for the operation. Hmm? I don't think I want you to have it. The least I can do for you. I kept you awake all these years with my snoring, and when Dr. Hersey gets through with me, I'll be as quiet as a mouse. If you stop snoring, I'll never wake you up, will I? No. If I don't wake you up, we won't fight, will we? That's right. That settles it. I'm not going to let him operate, John. Why not? It's the only chance I get to talk to you. Come on home. Oh, I give up. Now here are Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon Is Over. Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time. <laughs> oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. <laughs> Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk like this. <laughs> Would you please sign the register, ma'am? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes. Did I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. <laughs> Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John! Where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk compartment. Good heavens. The man is positively insane. Shut the door, there's a trap. Come out of that thing. All right, all right, all right, don't pull. Oh, oh, pull my head. Oh. Right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Oh. I don't want you to go into that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. Get nice muffins. <laughs> Grab a couple of these bags, with you, bunch? No, it wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on. Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? <laughs> Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. Drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. 
you had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just love to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can close the door. No windows, no nothing. How much do they get for this broken down room? This is the elevator. Oh. Or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. I hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get closer than this. I'll let you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is it that's keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What for, we are I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on. Will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's our room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Oh, thank heaven. I gotta get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not going to let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why did you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. It wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. <laughs> Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. <laughs> Hold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first, John. Oh, what a fool I was to think you'd change. This is second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip. I could die. I made you go. You shanghaied me. Even tried to get me to marry you again. <laughs> was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. <laughs> oh, that's too bad about you. Oh, you shame me in front of all my friends after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because it said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Vickerson will be married March 9th. No children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them, either. I see them every day on a shredded wheat box. Well, how can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls bring back memories. No. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Hmm. Did you leave food for the cat? That's enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat it? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about that cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canaries locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house, and who's going to feed the goldfish? I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. 
in the goldfish bowl. And he was using the canary for bait. Oh, go to sleep. Canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish that cat had dropped dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet an all nice cat. Sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four o'clock in the morning. You talk until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Goosey. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Goosey? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me, you big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Goosby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. And I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Goosby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Goosby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything Leo would give you? Well, stop goading me. You want me to do that in the fight, fight, fight? No, I... All I do is ask for proof that you love me and you go into a tent. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shade signs. Honey. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey. Honey! Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive, it's my bedroom! People <laughs> wandering around in the halls at this time on my fault for broken down the hotel. Oh, don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Make he lost. He isn't lost, he's hiding. <laughs> I got a vile headache. Well, nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes, your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Mm. Where does all that water come from? I once read that it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah. Are the falls higher on the American side or the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. (laughs) The Vickersons have retired. Blanche Vickerson tosses restlessly in the dark as poor husband John, unstrung by the events of the day and suffering an attack of ambulant insomnia or blasters phenomenon, engages in another losing battle with a dread ailment. Listen.
What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? There isn't another woman in the world who'd sacrifice her youth and her looks to live with a man who rattles himself to sleep like a, a lot of old bones in a bag. What do you think I am, John? Old bag. <laughs> what did you say, Blanche? I've never been so upset in all my life. Why couldn't the child live with us for a few weeks? What child? George. Don't mention his name. Well, you had no right to send him back to Clara. Clara and Barney are just sick about it. I can well imagine. <laughs> Let me sleep, Blanche. I had him here for two hours before you got home, and he was a perfect angel. Mm. But if he did make a little trouble on the train? A He's a boy, trouble. and all boys are kind of wild. Anyway, <clears throat> how did he know that you were his uncle? Now, what kind of an excuse is that? Well, I'm sure if you just try to understand him, there wouldn't be any problem at all. That's what you think. I don't think I know. I don't think you know either. <laughs> It's gone. I'll forget about him. I won't forget about him. And you need to have made such an exhibition when you hauled him down the street to his mother. Oh. That was no way to carry a boy, John. Well, I used to be a bowling ball salesman. <laughs> Almost got my finger bit off. What do you mean you used to be? Did, it, uh, did he tell you? Didn't, uh, did Marvin call you from the office? Nobody called me from the office. What happened? I got fired. Oh, John, what did he do that for? I didn't do it. The boss did it. Well, he must have had a pretty good reason. I felt this coming for a long time, John. You haven't had your mind on your work. Business was bad. How can you say that? Prices are going up every day. Well, nobody's buying. That's not true. I'm buying twice as much as I ever did. Business isn't bad with me. Good night, Blanche. No. If you didn't do any business, it's because you weren't concentrating on your work. You've just lost your ambition. You're not the man I married, John. Whatever happened to your get up and go? It got up and went. <laughs> tell you what happened. You've lost interest in everything except that precious bourbon of yours. Now, just a minute. Then. I married a great big corkscrew. I resent that. I don't care. You can accuse me of not being a good salesman or not having ambition or anything else, but drinking is not one of my failures. No, it's one of your few successes. The only reason I use bourbon is because the doctor prescribed it. He said I'd stop snoring if I took a jigger of bourbon and two aspirins every night. That's not what you do, though. Yes, it is. It is not. You're six months behind on the aspirin and two years ahead on the bourbon. Well, aspirin gives me a headache. <laughs> bourbon has nothing to do with me losing my job. Then why did you get fired? Because no man can serve two masters. That's right. Blame me. Since when do I boss you around? You know very well I let you have your own way in almost everything I want. <laughs> You've been running me for years. I have not. It started right at the altar. When I said, I do, you said, oh, no, you don't. How can you lie there and deliberately make oh, us Oh, well, don't rile me up. You just sympathize with me when I get a bad break instead of hounding me. Our marriage would work a lot better. Matrimony is a serious thing. You're a fine one to talk about matrimony. You don't even know the meaning of the word. It's not a word. It's a sentence. <laughs> Oh, you poor thing, how you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. <laughs> and it's true. You don't love me and you never did. Oh, I did, too. What? I mean, I do, too. You don't, you don't, you don't. Lance, I do. Well, you never say it. I say it a thousand times a day. Well, say it now. I love you. Well, you love me as long as you live? Yes. Swear. Swear you love me as long as you live. Cross my heart and hope to die. <laughs> has a double meaning. Well, I only meant it one way. It's really an effort for you to show any kind of affection for me, isn't it, John? 
Why are you so ashamed to tell me you love me? I'm not ashamed, Blanche. I just can't seem to convince you. That's all. You know I love you so. So what? That's what I say. Who cares? <laughs> Put out the lights and go to sleep. If only you'd let me know that you appreciate what I do for you. Oh, you don't do so much for me. Is that so? Who cooks for you? I do. do. Who cleans for you? I do. do. Who does your laundry? The laundry. (laughs) Only once, and that's because the washing machine was broken. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have a clean shirt. I haven't got a clean shirt. You have to. I dusted one off today. (laughs) Dusted it off is right. And you press the collar with a curling iron. Besides, I wore it today. Today? What happened to the shirt you wore Tuesday? I wore it Wednesday. And I was going to wear it again Saturday, but I spilled some gravy on it Friday, so I cut the stain out and made a brown collar for my Sunday shirt. Oh, stop complaining. You've got two lovely shirts. One shirt, and it's not lovely. It hasn't even got a shirt tail. You don't need a shirt tail. Just wear your pants higher. <laughs> I can't wear them any higher. I wear my pants so high, high now I have to unzip them to blow my nose. Don't start with Gloria Goosby. Believe me, if you were around her for a little while, you'd cool off in a hurry. I've been around her for hours, and I'd never cool off. (laughs) I mean, I despise Gloria Goosby, and I wouldn't have anything to do with her. And why does she keep staring at you like she's hypnotized? She doesn't stare. Just that she wears those outlandish dresses, and they bring out her eyes. (laughs) They bring out yours, too. All you men gawk at her. All her gowns are strapless and backless. Would you like me to dress like that? Mm. Maybe I should. Wonder how I'd look in a gown that's strapless and backless. Skinless and boneless. I'll never forgive you for that remark, John Bigelow. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. I don't know what I'm saying. Why don't you let me sleep, Blanche? Blanche, where are you going? I'm leaving this house and I'm never coming back. Blanche, wait a minute. Come back here. What's the matter with you? It's no use, John. We'll keep on fighting like this. I tried to make our lives more pleasant by bringing little George here, but you wouldn't have him. All right. I'll go get him in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. <laughs> do it now. What? Go on. Get up and bring George back. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's four o'clock in the morning. Either you bring George back or I'm leaving. Nobody'd believe this. Where's my clothes? Just throw my kimono over your pajamas. <laughs> I only live down the street, 214. The first apartment on the left. I know I'll wake up and find this is all a bad dream. Go on, take a flashlight so you don't have to t- turn any lights on. I'll phone Claire and tell her you're coming. Two fourteen. Where is two fourteen? We should put some street lights in this crummy neighborhood. Looking down, flashlight is no good. Batteries must be dead. Can't see your hand in front of your face. Looking for something? Huh? Oh, hello, officer. Uh, shine that light around a little bit. I'm looking for number 214. Live there? No. No, just looking. Why? Not everybody walks around at 3 o'clock in the morning wearing a pink kimono and carrying a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> bottle of bourbon? No wonder it wouldn't light you. <laughs> 
heaven, I almost threw it away. <laughs> What's that? I picked it up by mistake. I thought it was a flashlight. Well, it's not a total loss. Will you join me, officer? Uh, no, thanks. I'm off duty. <laughs> 214. <laughs> 214's right on the corner. And you'd better keep moving so you don't catch cold. Yeah, yeah, I better wrap this bourbon around me a little tighter. <laughs> First apartment on the left. Hope I don't wake anybody up. Wish I could put on the light. Where is the little deer? Here he is, sleeping like an innocent newborn vulture. Well, here goes. Kid is heavier than I thought. Only another ten yards. Pick up a friend. Oh. <laughs> Was that you, officer? Yes, it's me. Uh, may I ask what you have in the bundle? It's my nephew. I'm bringing him home to my wife. It's a long story, officer, but I assure you, this is nothing anybody would want to steal. Mm-hmm. Well, you better watch how you got those blankets wrapped around his head. He's liable to smother. You think so? <laughs> Thanks, officer. Good night. Blanche, open up, will you? What'd you lock it for? He weighs a ton. Put on the lights. No, it'll wake him. Keep your voice down. What'll I do with him? I've got the cot already in the kitchen. Put him down gently, John. There. There's your new son. You've just become a mother. Are you satisfied? Shh. Go on into your own bed. Now I can sleep. Oh, what a day. Lost my job. Got thrown off the train. I deliver children at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, John, must you start snoring as soon as you close your eyes? Snoring? Who's snoring? I'm not snoring. It's that darn kid. That's who it is. George? Yeah, George. Go turn him over on his side. Well, I never. Turn over, George, dear. John! What's the matter? This isn't George. You brought back Barney. Why was I ever born? Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 